Maybe just lift your hands up with me and just pray for a second. Or just whatever you want. But Father, we just love your presence. We love your love. We love that you're in us. We love, as you've been just reminding us tonight of your satisfaction. Woo! Of your weighty love, of your inseparable union with us. So we just, whoa, we, we just lift our eyes to you. We just... We have expectation of just, just your voice of your words flowing with, from within us right now. We just have expectation of angels, a spirit of wisdom and revelation of miracles just to confirm the word right now. Shaka. And I just command every, just any, any carnal mindset or way of thinking just silenced right now in Jesus' name. And we're just going to receive from him. We're just going to receive from, from the pure River, we're gonna receive. Wow! Just as your hands are up, you should be feeling like the power of God is flowing through your fingertips right now. (laughs) Amen. So cool. Well, um, (laughs) tonight I just kind of was 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 just feeling to talk on uh, gospel revelations that are getting me really jacked up right now. That's the title of my sermon. <laughs> aspects of his love, aspects of what Christ has done, the person and work of Jesus that is getting me jacked up, just uh, current stuff or whatever, like things that I've been learning, because I think a lot of the times those are just the freshest stuff anyways, you know what I mean? And what's so cool about being in a community is that like whenever somebody gets something new, it just spreads so fast that it becomes normal culture. You know what I mean? So it's, that's why there's such a, I think, a beauty and acceleration in community is just like when you're together and somebody sees a new aspect of him, all of a sudden it's like everybody's, you know? It's just everybody. So your breakthrough is my breakthrough, and uh, we're all completely broken through anyways, but we're just realizing it. <laughs> you're already, you're not trying to break through like Jim Morrison, you're already through. <laughs> Jesus was the door that already opened up and ushered you forth into a new place but it's so cool just to be among a group among a body where we can share that freely and uh before i even start you know that's why i wanted to have chris come up and just share because what was so cool about being at at chris's place last night was that the, the exact same things like god was speaking i mean Literally, like he actually gave the verse for the what the Holy Spirit was giving me. I didn't even have a scripture for it yet. <laughs> like I had, so, you know, a, a lot of general scriptures, you know, but the, he actually had that that Isaiah uh, fifty-two, which fourteen. My goodness. Um, and and part of the reason that that scripture didn't stand out is because in my translation, it actually waters it down. Um, he was reading the Young's literal. And I like the Young's Literal a lot of times because it's just, uh, it doesn't, it's not very readable, but it's really exact, you know. And it's so fun to have a lot of translations of the Bible, you know, just like, like Ben and George and Winnie just encourage you to have, you know, there's over a hundred in the English language, just get them all and just huff them all, you know. <laughs> just, hu- just drink every translation, even though you are his favorite translation of the Bible. <laughs> but... Can you quote that verse one more time for me, Chris? Can you just... You got it on there? Yeah, yeah. It's in Isaiah 52 in the Young's Literal. Um, You got it? Yeah, right here. Shamwell. All right. (laughs) You can play it on the phone. There we go. Uh, So marred by man his appearance and his form by sons of men. Oh, the beauty of the cross, right? <laughs> if you want to be one of the, you know a mystic into the deep things of God, then just continue to fall endlessly down the rabbit hole of the cross. You're just falling into the deepest trance possible down the the rabbit hole of the cross. As you fall, you you see the little tablets that say "Eat me and drink me." <laughs> And uh, it's an endless journey down, oh, in, inside of yourself, un, unveiling the beauty of this, of this God-man, Jesus. 
And uh, <sighs> what I love about that scripture, one of the things that the Lord's just been speaking to me about, and uh, I'll just reference that one and a, a number of things throughout the scriptures for a minute, but I really feel like the Lord is showing me, like, and, and just revealing it, something that this, it's, it's new maybe to us or to some, it might be really new to some of you. Um, I just want to, you know, invite you on that journey tonight of a new thing, or maybe it's old, uh, whatever, but there's something fresh on it about the whole reality that the father didn't need to kill someone in order to forgive you. <laughs> there's these ideas of the father in a, if you want, if you want it in theological terms, it, it's a. The Holy Spirit is deconstructing the doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement. <laughs> Some of you are like, I can't even say that. It's okay. But that, that little doctrine is actually the, the primary thing when Western theologians think about the cross. That's the first thing they're going to bring up in, your, in your, your seminaries or whatever trainings, Bible college, Bible schools that you go to. They, they're talk, they'll talk to you about this idea that there's this courtroom, right? The first place you go to when you talk about the cross is the courtroom. And you see the father up there. You know, they present the father like as the judge. And uh, you're the case. And Jesus is, is your lawyer that's defending you, right? Sounds like a great scene that's a, that inspires romance, right? <laughs> it's really romantic to think about going to court. No, not really. I'm joking. Just in case you didn't get my... There's a lot of sarcastic glory in Fort Wayne, but <laughs> not breaking down any individual, but I do like to make jokes about wrong concepts. It's just really funny. <laughs> like say, well, your love is almost better than wine. <laughs> in your presence is partial joy. <laughs> In your presence is a, a limited amount of joy. <laughs> I won't. I won't go on. But there's this 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 concept that's been presented so many times as the it's like the foundation of our ideas about Jesus Christ and the cross, and it's this courtroom drama, right? And I'm not. I wouldn't say that there's zero benefit to thinking that way, but it definitely is not like the primary thing in his heart. I believe that the primary you know, when you think about Jesus Christ and his cross, that you think of passionate, undying love that couldn't live without you, that you think of a, that you literally think of a romance or that you think of that what comes to your mind, what you encounter is just, I mean, a God that bled and died in passionate pursuit of you, in passionate grasp of you to, in, in just, oh, that there's zeal that consumed him for you. Not like, not this sterile thing of facts that get you, if I say the right facts and I believe the right facts and I know that in court, here's my, here's my thing. You know what I mean? It's so much, my God, there's, there's so much deep, you know, depth to the, to the unfolding of his heart in that place. You know, another way you can say it is, is, uh, I heard a teacher say this a long time ago and the Holy Spirit has been quickening it back to my memory, but the cross was not about justice. The cross was not about justice. It was about mercy and love. And we talk about mercy and justice kissed at the cross. And uh, man, I just, it, that just doesn't ring very powerful in my heart anymore. <laughs> there was nothing just. There was nothing just. It sounded like Sarah Craig. I like that. I think the spirit of Sarah Craig just showed up in here. It's just always possible. <laughs> Woo! There's just nothing just about the father slaying his son. There's nothing just about, about this, this thing. It's, it, there was no thought in his head of, of uh, the scales of justice. Well, it looks like they tipped too far in sin's direction, so I've got to come and lay something on the other side to tip them back or something. Or, or oh my God, whoa. I know I'm, I'm kicking over a lot of holy cows, you know what I mean? 
This will be booted in a lot of places. But let me, let me just get to the heart of it before I go on. The, why do I care? Because there's so many people. Why do I, why do I care about this? Why, do, why would I? You know, we kick over a lot of holy cows here and stuff. Or some people call them, you know, you know, cow burnings or something. Or burn your holy cows at cow roastings. <laughs> but it's not just unto causing trouble, right? <laughs> Why, why, why do I often do that? Because I feel like the Holy Spirit's always showing me that there's a reason why the world isn't awakened in love to me right now and experiencing that love. And, the, and there's some things I just want to speak to to change that. I'm not just sad. You know, I'm utterly satisfied in my relationship with him, but I'm not utterly satisfied that 90% of the world thinks that God like hates them or that they have all these wrong mindsets about God and they're living in confusion and darkness and pain and suffering and hurt and turmoil because of that. I think there might be a few things God wants to speak to. And let me tell you, this issue, it probably still even affects the way you relate to him. (laughs) To think that there was ever a moment where God was your enemy. And and, uh, to think for a moment that he was ever going to judge against you. To think that he would have allowed for a moment that there would be a, a moment of time where he would be against his children. You know what I mean? We've painted this picture of a father that, just, just picture yourself in, in your household or just in your house, in your home, you know. If you're a parent, you can relate to this maybe more. But you can, you, everyone can picture this because families are, are so, you know, central to every one of our hearts, you know. That there's a father who, any, you know, his son messes up one time and he just leaves the house forever. But how many times have we literally portrayed that this was what got, you know, happened? We, we might have even said, well, you know, now under the new covenant, it's not that way. But for 4,000 years, he had to leave. <laughs> I'm just telling you, like, and people are like, well, it's not so simple. Listen, you know about love. And that's the reason why most of the world doesn't really want to, to receive your message. There's, a, there's some holes in what we're talking about. We're talking about an infinite God of love that uh, is really emotionally unhealthy. <laughs> We've presented a father where we all can picture a father better than that. You know, we all can picture uh, parents that are, that are more healthy. We, we ourselves have felt more health, even in our brokenness, than a lot of the pictures that we presented of God. We've presented this God that's so easy to offend, so easy to scare off, that our problems are like, it's like, my God, I've seen a lot of, you know, I know that pretty much every family that I've met has had some brokenness inside it, but I've rarely seen uh, parents easily give up on their kids. You know what I mean? Of course it happens, and some of you have experienced that, and, and, and that can mar your picture of, of God as father and mother, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> but... But my God, I, I have seen so many fathers and mothers go through literal living hells just to remain in relationship with their children. Go through, and, and yet we have this idea of the, when we think of the one who birthed us from eternity, the one who not just gave us birth in the natural, but birthed an entire race, an entire species. And we've always said it was for love. Everybody will, you know, everybody in the world knows that you know, well, not everybody, but most people have some recognition that we were probably created out of love somewhere in their heart. And yet we have all these pictures of that, of this, of our creator, our, of our father, of the one who, who released us. And, and there, there are these pictures of just an easily offended, easily scared away, like father that, you know, oh man, just, but can you feel right now? I just feel in this atmosphere, just a complete shift of that. You know what I mean? A complete mind change. Let yourself, even if that's like an obvious thing to you, I just feel, man, and this is where I was going to go and I feel the direction changing. The family, there's this revelation on the family of God right now. There's this revelation on the family of God being released. And uh, I mean, I remember, let me just tell you a little short story. You know, we always love to try to, you know, minister to people on the streets or homeless people and we, we took this one homeless guy in one time and 
He would even come to our meetings and like pray and worship with us, but he would never receive Christ. He would never welcome Christ into his life. And his, his reason always was like, I cannot picture a father that wants to torture his children for eternity. I just can't picture that father that would let even one of his children be tortured for eternity. And uh, we, would, we would talk with him all the time and be like, well, that wasn't his heart. But we couldn't really tell him that that wasn't going to happen because we'd embraced normal Christianity, so, so, you know, quote, unquote. <laughs> and so we would always, as much as we could reassure him, as, uh, he would keep asking that question to us. And we couldn't tell him for certain that that was really God's, like, will. That, that we couldn't tell him for certain that he... That, <laughs> That the salvation of Jesus was powerful enough to bring all the children, you know, into a full restoration state, you know. So he was like, I just can't trust a father that's going to torture any one of his children for eternity. I just can't do it. And he never did. And he ended up eventually leaving our house, you know, and just whatever. I haven't seen him to this day, but I just think, dude, I know I'm, I'm kicking a lot of holy cows. I'm treading on a lot of crazy ground. But the Lord asked me this question a long time ago, and he gave me permission to exaggerate the goodness of the gospel. He said, go ahead and try to exaggerate my goodness. <laughs> and he's giving you that same permission today. If you're scared of, of where these things could be going, I know, you know, mo- some of you, every time you come to the glory party, you're a little scared. <laughs> There's a lot of weird, weird stuff, seemingly. But I believe it's only weird because we in our, you know, like Romans 1 says, and this is something I'm going to continue to talk about, like Romans 1 says, what was the fall? The fall was we became darkened in our understandings and we exchanged the glory of the immortal God for something to look lesser. So when we encounter the glory of the immortal God, most people think it's the devil. Wow. <laughs> That's a, yeah, exactly. That's very true. It's really true. That's something Bill Johnson said. You know, he's like, it's a sad thing in, in the Western church that when God shows up, most people think it's the devil. I just gave the Bill Johnson quote so you'd give it a little more credence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, we've, we've exchanged the glory, you know, and it's, it's like a verse I posted on Facebook and we've been talking about it a lot in Colossians chapter one. It says that, uh, you were enemies of God in your minds because of your evil behavior. Enemies of God in your minds because of your evil behavior. And uh, I'm beginning to believe, and there's actually a rich tradition which, within the Eastern Orthodox Church, um, within the Eastern Church as a whole. You know, there's actually a whole, there's a lot of really amazing mystics and like uh, just a wealth of revelation in the Eastern Church, um, completely different ways of thinking. You know, uh, when I challenge this courtroom drama picture, we all could probably think of a whole bunch of scriptures. When I challenge the idea that God was never our enemy, that we were only enemies in our mind, a lot of people can think of, of other scriptures, but when you really go to look at those scriptures as, as they are, you're like, oh, like maybe this isn't saying what I always thought. You know, um, I, I challenge a lot of things, but I believe it really does line up with the scripture. It just might not line up with all the popular interpretations of it, your interpretation of it. And uh, so go, you know, you don't have to just take my word for it. Go on a journey for yourself. But I really believe that, you know, it's like joy seems so strange to people, right? Only because we've been darkened in our understanding and it doesn't feel real. People are like, let's be real because the only reality they've ever known is this lower depressed state of fallenness. And when they encounter joy, they're like, oh my God, those are weirdos. Like these guys are really crazy. Like you see, like I've literally gotten the eyes from people that I look like an alien, like another species. Like you're like, they're like, yeah, what the, 
But, you know, like, like Gia sharing about their dream for France and stuff, that seems so completely weird to the world. Like, you're just resting for, like, weeks, for months at a time. Like, for, you're just doing nothing, and there's actually, like, a, a being that loves you so much that he's going to make sure you're provided for regardless of anything. That's just irresponsible. It's madness. It's insanity. It's mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> Someone in this room has been called mentally ill recently. So I just told you. For believing. But anyways. But everyone, I, I love, there's a Jason Upton song, and, and the Lord sings it to me, so, you know, many times, like, just, just, you know, in different situations, and he'll just sing this little, and it's just a one-line song, and it just goes, there's no mistaking love. And uh, you should get a hold of the, the little recording of it. It's pretty drunk. Jason Upton's, there's no mistaking love. He just sings that over and over again. There's no mistaking love. There's no mistaking love. There's no mistaking love. And uh, you know, everyone was built to recognize love. Everybody was built to recognize it. So I was talking with someone and I was like, you know, maybe it's actually a move of the Holy Spirit that's kept people out of church. Because they were built to recognize love. And when they come in, they hear all of these ideas about their father that are nothing like what they know to be true within them. Because if you present a God that's really, truly, unconditionally love, nobody is going to have a problem with it. I know we've been taught to think like, well, don't water down the gospel. Don't soften it. Don't make it too easy to receive. I'm telling you, everyone was created (laughs) to receive this. Their point of origin was the father. And it doesn't matter... I love uh, Francois de Toit preaches on the, the coin. You know, in, in, in history, a coin was inscribed with whoever's image and likeness guaranteed its value was on the coin. And it doesn't matter how lost a coin is, in the parable of the lost coin, it always, because of the image that's stamped upon it, it always retains its value. You might have lost a gold doubloon from... Thousands of years ago, you find it now. If anything, it's just going to be more valuable than it ever was. My God. And that's, and that's in that parable, you know, when, the, when, uh, when everyone was standing in awe of Jesus' response, they're like, you're going to pay taxes? Who, who do you pay taxes to? Or who do you, you know, is it to God or to Caesar? And he's like, show me the coin. <laughs> And he said, whose image and likeness is on this? And instantly, everyone there, all the good Jewish boys are going to remember their training about the image and likeness. And, they're get, and, and Jesus just spoke to them, one of the most powerful, probably just ministering to their heart so deeply. And the fact, my God, I belong to the Father. I'm his. It doesn't matter. His image and likeness was never lost from you. And we've preached original sin and we've preached the fall of Adam so hard that we can't not come to grips with what the reality of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We can't come to grips. Original innocence would be a scandal while original sin is embraced as good theological like teaching. <laughs> original innocence is like are you, you're a heretic. If you preach original sin, they're going to hail you as a hero. But I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take a huff of original innocence right now. <sighs> Breathe in your innocence from the foundation of the world. <sighs> if you want to insist on the courtroom drama, I'll give you the only, the only thing that excites me about the courtroom drama was that if you were on trial for the murder of Jesus Christ, when he showed up to represent you, the fact that he's still alive proves that you're innocent. <laughs> when he came to justify sinners, that means he came to say that sinners are okay. <laughs> Not remaining in your sin. He's not like, you know, giving you some, uh, some thing that says remaining in sin is good. But he's saying, you're good. <laughs> Regardless. And, and even a lot of finished works preachers won't go so far as to say, 
you, everyone is good regardless. <laughs> it's like I said, and I'm just starting to say it openly, grace does give you a license to sin. Because without unconditional love, there's no love at all. But it doesn't just leave you as a license of sin. It's also the only empowerment out of sin. The lifestyle out of sin. And I, I truly am confident on it. And I'll go to the mat on it now because I've just seen, you know, I'm, I, uh, blah, blah, blah. you can be completely unteachable in an area where you actually have revelation. <laughs> and I will not compromise the unconditional love of God anymore. I can't exclude anybody. I can't see anything. It makes too much sense for me. You could present me with a hundred scriptures and I'm not going to listen to you. Sorry. I love the scriptures, but there's a few things that I know that I know now. I know that God is love and I interpret everything through that. I know that God is good and I interpret everything through it. So I'm completely unteachable. I'll listen to you, but it's just going to be like the Charlie Brown teacher (laughs) because I can't hear anything by the goodness. I can't, if it doesn't make, uh, I love what Andre and Marianne Rabe say that, that uh, any, anything that someone's speaking to you, does it make God seem bigger or make him seem smaller? <laughs> and uh, the inclusion of all humanity in Christ just makes my father seem all the more bigger, magnified in my eyes. Come magnify the Lord with me. To speak of him as much bigger and greater, much better You know, the word holy can also just mean better than anything. (laughs) The ecstasy of holiness, the ecstasy of tasting of the things that are better than anything. Tasting of our Father's love. So much better. So, you know, there's just a... (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) In John chapter 1, which... uh, can, can also be a parallel of Genesis chapter 1. You can look at it as the new creation of Genesis 1. <laughs> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it also says that, that He's the true light that enlightens every man. The true light that came to enlighten every man. What if the cross came as an enlightenment rather than just uh, like a courtroom payment? What, what if what Jesus was doing was coming to reveal that you were never separated from God? <laughs> what if it, when you think of the cross, you think of, of a revelation of, of the union that everyone already had from the foundation of the world in a God who would come to express his love in the, mo- the uttermost way, in the clearest way, knowing that the death of Christ on the cross would be so powerful as I, if I be lifted up that it would actually bring an awakening to all mankind. I will draw all men to myself. The passage, if I be lifted up, I draw all men to myself. What if it came as a revelation, not of how guilty you are and how much you needed the angry God to pay a sacrifice in order for him to be appeased and love you again, but instead it came as a revelation of the God that would, would leave heaven, <laughs> although he never really left heaven, but would seem to you know, go through all of this stuff to be with you, would go to the uttermost, would, would, would bleed, would allow you. And see, what I'm starting to believe now is that, and what I'm seeing at the cross, I'm just, and just go, oh my God, just, just meditate as you just begin to just, just drink of and just chew on the cross. I believe one of the things the Lord's been showing me is that, is that, that, that day was, him allowing our, and this is where that scripture that, that Chris read, in, in the Young's literal, it says that essentially we were the ones that marred the sun. And even though that seems like a small thing, most of us have said that God had to mar the sun in order for you to be accepted again. But what if you turned it around and said, he, he never left you for a moment, but you, you thought you were separated in your mind and it took such an earth-shattering event of love to awaken you. You killed Jesus and his, his allowing or his embracing 
of all the hatred that you could unleash upon him might finally be the, the thing that, that causes you to be like, oh my God, how far have we come that we're killing our dad? Like, I don't know if you've ever, uh, you know, if you've ever been caught in sin like we, like we all have at certain points, <laughs> if you've ever been caught in sin and you remember, at first it might not feel like such a bad thing, but there comes a moment where you keep going, you know, you tell one lie, then you tell two lies, then you tell ten lies, but there comes a point where you've lied so much that you're like, what have I done? You know what I mean? There comes a moment, I believe, in everybody where they're like, they're like, what is, uh, what, what is happening to me? Look at the monster that I've become. And I feel like what he's speaking about the cross is that it wasn't uh, some payment needed to be made to reunite you. It was that you were so far gone in your mind that he was allowing you to come to the most heinous act in even just killing your own father, slain, brutally killing the, the God that birthed you in order that you would have that revelation of my God. What have we done? And see that the very one you committed that act against was standing there embracing you fully. Saying, Father, forgive them. Because they, they don't know what they're doing. They're, ca- they're caught in this thing, this cycle. Does that, is that making sense? Again, this isn't this kicking over holy cows for no reason, but I believe it presents a, a picture of your lover my God, I just encourage, I'm just throwing out things that, that are just coming to me in a new way. Although I've read, you know, Eastern theologians that I believe this for thousands of years or whatever. You know, <laughs> and, there, and there's guys all, all over the place that have been saying this stuff. And, uh, but that, <laughs> like, like, to quote our friend Andre Rabe again, we were the angry deities that needed to be satisfied at the cross. It puts, it puts the act not as God fulfilling justice, but God coming in mercy, and we were the perpetrators of the act. He's not a father that, listen, he's not a father that's like, Forgive your enemies, but I have to kill someone in order to forgive mine. (laughs) You love your enemies, but I require blood before I forgive. I'm telling you, you'll begin to see. Now as I read the scriptures, it just, the very same things that I read before have this completely, like, just a new awakening. Like, oh my God, like, (laughs) I was never separate. (laughs) None of us were ever separate from him. There was never a moment. There was never a moment where there was any distance. <laughs> That's what Jesus reveals. His heart was that when you look at the cross, you see that even us killing God didn't bring a moment of separation. God was in Christ reconciling the world, but how reconciling them in their own sense of darkened understanding in their minds, like Romans 1 speaks of, Colossians 1. <sighs> There was never any real separation. Just like I've shared a few times, I keep getting rocked. After after the fall of Adam, (laughs) who showed up the next day at their favorite place to play? God showed up. He said, where are you, Adam? Adam was the one that tried to hide. Adam was the one that ran. And at the cross, it's it's even the uttermost description of that. The uttermost revelation of it is that, (laughs) listen, you just... You just ate a little fruit in the garden. But at the cross, all of humanity was united in trying to slay their creator. He let it go. He let sin run its full course in order to display to us that there would never be, not just taking of a fruit in the garden, could I forgive? Not just, you know, all of the acts throughout the history of the Old Testament, did I forgive? Not only all these things. Listen, you could all unite against me. You could all come up with your most wicked plan. When I came to just enjoy your presence, you could hang me on the most disgusting form of death and I'll just say, ha, I forgive you. Kill me the most disgusting way. If you ever thought there was separation then, there should be separation now. There's not. (laughs) 
If you thought what you did, if you thought any of these heinous crimes, you killed me in the most disgusting way. You killed God. If killing God doesn't bring separation, what will? (laughs) Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him praise. Ah, this is the ecstasy of the ages. All of you, all you Holy Spirit people that always want the, the newest, greatest breakthrough or the newest thing, the pathway into more manifestation, more miracles and more whatever. Listen, if, I mean, if killing God didn't bring an ounce of separation, do you think that there's anything lacking right now? Do you think there's anything lacking as you did now, your heart? It's like he said, uh, oh man, I'm too drunk to remember that. How much more now would he not graciously give us all things, right? How much more now? You're like, well, but I need the greater manifestation. Let me tell you, it must be here in this atmosphere. The cross speaks of it to the uttermost. If you think you're lacking anything now, anything in this moment, in this very instant of time, you haven't recognized what the cross was speaking about, that you could never lack anything for even a second. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can take that to the bank. Put that in your pipe and smoke it for a long time. So that's one, that's one thing that's been just getting me really jacked up about the gospel. I had four more I was going to share, but... I mean, you know, the, and if you want to summarize it, you know, because uh, some of you are going to have fun with this, so I'm just going to throw it out. I mean, first of all, theology isn't bad. Woo. People are like, oh, you said the word theology. It's whatever. You just, you know, don't, don't let it become something that it isn't. Just keep it on whatever. Theology is just what you've learned about Jesus. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so some of you want to research, you know, penal substitutionary atonement and just just look at that idea. Read what theologians have said for ages about it. I I guarantee you're going to get whacked on realizing uh, instead instead of Jesus as just as a penal substitute, but Jesus as the lover that was revealing that there was never any separation. All right. Glory. (laughs) I don't know if I'll go into all this stuff, but. But uh, one of the other things the Lord's really been speaking to me about, about this gospel is how much security it gives you. <laughs> um, because uh, I've just been seeing it, how, how many ministries, how many ministers, how many Christians are living what they do on a daily basis just out of insecurity. Or just trying to cover up for insecurities. Even so many ministries. Let me tell you, God doesn't need you to minister for a second. <laughs> he doesn't need you to get to sign up for anything. The whole emphasis on the Great Commission needs to be decommissioned. I love it. Dave Vaughn says, I welcome you to Operation Immobilization. And this all comes from the revelation of the cross. Listen, if he was utterly committed to go to the uttermost to, pr- to prove, to display, to reveal to the world that there was no separation, do you think all of a sudden he needs you to finish the job for him? Do you, <laughs> you think all of a sudden that if you... We see so many needs around the world. There's a great peace that comes in your heart in knowing that everyone is resting secure with the Father that will meet those needs. And He doesn't need you to arise, brother, to go and meet those. He doesn't need you to get up off your lazy butt and go fix the world. All of that stuff. I just, I just encourage you to throw it all out. Because there's, there's coming a place of true health. This, the last one kind of spoke on health too. Seeing the emotional health of our Father brings you into a place of emotional health. Well, you're no longer, and like I was saying this week, you know, one of our things, the Lord's just been showing me, like, so many times, I mean, we've been so affected by feeling like we could lose our salvation, by feeling like we could lose the presence of God, feeling like we could lose the anointing of God, miss the anointing, oh, I missed it, oh, oh, you know, or whatever. Everybody feels like that, oh, I'm missing out on my destiny, I'm missing out on my calling, I'm missing this, 
blah, blah, that so many things become motivated by an insecurity, even to everything. And you can feel it. The thing is, is that other people feel it when you're moving from that place. And he wants to heal it so that, because any, like I was telling somebody, don't be eager to go into ministry or to speak into people's lives, like, because he doesn't need you. And if you're ministering out of insecurity, you're just projecting your insecurity onto them. And so it, and they have to then find the strength within themselves to actually resist the ministry that you're trying to give them. They actually have to, they have to put walls up or, or, you know, they have to like, you know, find this other place because you're spewing things onto them. And if they're receiving from you, they'll receive all the same things that you're, that you're going through. So it's like, if you're not happy, don't preach the gospel. It's okay. You know what I mean? If you're not like flowing with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, getting the fruit of the spirit, it's, it's fine. No criticism. Just don't go into ministry. Just enjoy your life and enjoy, you know, enjoy what's going on. And, and when you're coming out of a place of health, you'll minister automatically without just you, your very fragrance becomes a ministry to everyone. You, it, when you're flowing in, in a place of not secure in the Father's love, then you can just say, hey guys, it's time to eat. And it projects insecurity on them. Because they can feel the hooks you're putting into them. Like, well, they, you know, they only want me to eat because they want me to tell them how good their food is and they need my encouragement and they just made this food for me because, and all of these crazy things start going on in this. My, you know, but you can say the very same thing out of a place of health. Hey guys, it's time to eat. And it's like, all of a sudden it becomes joy. Like you're, you're spreading joy throughout the world and preaching the gospel to everybody because they're like, wow, these people are just offering me their food because they love me and they have an unconditional support and they just wanted to shower their love down upon me. And the very same thing, you know what I mean? The very same action, like making, just cooking a meal for somebody. Like, I, I'm not, I don't want to get you caught up in your own head analyzing where you're at. That's not my point. I just wanted to, to just display to you the reality. Like, I posted on my wall this week this little Rob Bell video where he said, he said, uh, uh, if you want to preach the gospel, just deal with your junk first. <laughs> because most of the people aren't re- resisting the message. They're just resisting the things that they feel on the messenger. All the little whatevers. And so when you see your father as absolutely supportive, like unconditionally embracing you no matter what, and you allow that to become a reality for you. I mean, the primary driving reality of your life is that nothing shakes you anymore because I, I was created for love, to be loved, to enjoy life. And that just becomes your, your the foundation of every thought that goes through this brain then all of a sudden, dude, everything else just aligns, you know? <laughs> everything just aligns, and, and you feel a peace that passes all understanding. And then you don't have to try to be spiritual. You don't have to try to minister. You don't have to try to get in the, the anointing. You just are flowing like a, a river from Eden, man. You are just a refreshing pool of Bethesda. You are... You are jacked up, dude. And, you're, and your fragrance will begin to be the very fragrance of Christ everywhere. Uh, in your insecurity, you're, you still are the fragrance of Christ, but you just don't know it, and you're, you'll be projecting those thoughts on other people. So anyway, I just want to, like, the whole point of that is just to say, like, man, I, you are in such a place of, as uh, one guy says it, you're saved and safe. <laughs> You're safe. <laughs> just knowing that is huge. Sounds like just words, but to know that you're safe. Mm. You're not going to lose his presence. You're not going to lose the anointing. You're not going to lose your salvation. You're not going to... The only thing that causes people to, to walk in that is thinking that they can lose their salvation. <laughs> that they're not safe. When you feel in your heart that you're not safe, then in your mind it becomes like you're not safe. And then you live in this realm of a self-created hell. But heaven on earth is here. <laughs> but like our buddy Bill Vanderbush said, like I've been in meetings where you can tell half the people are in heaven and the other half are in hell. In the same meeting. And I don't know if you ever been there. The glory starts manifesting and half the people are like... They're like... They're like 
They get scared. The devils are everywhere. Look at these people. They're all... And the other half of the people are like, Oh my God! God is here! Woohoo! It's all in the same place. You can have heaven on earth. Everything... And this is... You know, I can't go without preaching the, the gospel, but everything that you thought was reserved for heaven is what Jesus came to reveal on earth now. A.K.A. the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The simple message of Jesus. Cool. <laughs> cool. I don't know. I just want to share some random thoughts. I've just been having a lot of... Oh, before I do that, I'll share it. Just, just put your hand on somebody again. Just, just gently. Don't begin to try to minister to them. But just gently, sweetly. Just release the security of God. We just speak over one another right now. You're saved and safe. You're secure. You're held in the arms of your Father. Nothing can pluck you from His hand for a moment. Nothing can separate you. (sighs) Nothing can separate you. Nothing. I just say nothing can separate you from that tangible, weighty presence of God from the person of God in Christ. (sighs) His chips are cashed in on you. He sold it all for you. He doesn't have anything left. (laughs) You can say it this way. It's it's gotten to the point where uh, he doesn't actually have anything but us so i mean he he can't go back he's he's pretty much like screwed over if we're not enough for him but we are <laughs> um okay we're talking about the family of god i'm just going to throw out the lord's been speaking a lot about the female nature of god uh I can't even dare to try to develop this right now, but a lot of you are going to begin to hear in your spirit, and you probably already are, many of you already have, um, to embrace the fact that uh, Jesus is a man, but the Godhead is not strictly male. In fact, there is a beautiful revelation. Woo! Some of you just just feeling it, just of knowing uh, the fullness. You want to know God, right? You, you don't want to miss out on 50% of his heart in creating beautiful Mother God. Or he didn't create Mother God, but he created women in the image of God as well, right? In the image and likeness of knowing uh, many times, if not always, the Holy Spirit is revealed to me as a female now, and I know you're thinking of the scriptures, well, there's no male or female in Christ, but that's the thing. There's also only one God, but then there's three in one. You know what I mean? There's also only one Jesus, and yet all of you are the body of Christ. There's no male or female in the Godhead, and yet in the same time, like, he validates the image and likeness, you know, of every man and woman by expressing himself in these ways. And so I just feel like the Lord's going to be speaking something of the heart of God revealed in, 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 a, in a woman. And it has nothing to do with sexuality, per se. It's, it's an understanding the identity of the father uh, and, and the mother. <laughs> so... I know that sounds crazy, but let me tell you, it's another reason why there's so many believers that are like, well, I don't know if I can really embrace a culture of Christianity that really just is uh, masochistic. (laughs) And uh, they have a good point. They have a good point. I mean, the church has historically been masochistic, you know. Or is it masochistic? What's the word? Is that it? Misogynist. There you go. Sorry. That was jacked up in here. Whatever, they've, uh, they, they're sexist. Put it that way. That's an easier one. Yeah, masochistic as well. <laughs> and, I, and I've just gone too, too far to care anymore, but I really feel like the Lord's like, I validate my image and likeness in women. I just want to validate every one of you have such a unique and beautiful expression. And it didn't just come like out of a man, 
but it came out of the, the eternal Godhead. Father, Son, and Mother Spirit. The Holy Mother. I mean, and there's tons of scriptures. I can, I can if, if you want them, just Facebook me or come talk to me. There, I literally have a list of over 100 scriptures. I'm not going to go through, but like, I will point out some of them. Like, for example, how do you think someone can be born again? <laughs> how many men are giving birth in here? <laughs> you think there's not a female part of God? Well, I guess no one's going to be born again then. <laughs> El Shaddai, literally translated from the Hebrew, the many-breasted one. Speaking of the breasts of provision, um, my breasts haven't produced any provision, but my wife's have produced a lot of provision. Now, I mean, some of you guys want the lactation miracles, and that's cool too. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there's a lot of glory just... And anyways... <laughs> El Shaddai. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I, I might jump around, but I'm just going to leave that one for a minute. Another thing is, uh, some of you guys will see this, and I really encourage you to go and watch John, uh, Crowder's new video, John Crowder's new video, um, called Being Human. Um, Again, with a lot of this, most of us have been in circles where it's all about trying to become more spiritual and manifest a lot more supernatural, but uh, the fact is that Jesus is a God-man and you are a God-man. And so it's been scandalous for a lot of us to realize our divinity. That's really a scandal, but it's also maybe more of a scandal for some of you to realize your humanity. (laughs) So to embrace both, to embrace the beauty of like... You know, uh, what Ben Dunn said recently, and this is why I put on the little Facebook thing, is uh, one of the most spiritual things you can do is just go grow a tomato. (laughs) Just go grow a tomato. Just grow a little garden. It's not for hippies. I mean, you were made in a garden. The whole whole world was created in a garden. Yeah, it's for hippies too. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but um, embracing the earth, embracing, you know, I was teaching the last, couple, the last few weeks on heaven on earth, a lot, of, a lot of glory on realizing that we're not going somewhere else, but you have reached your eternal destination. You're not being raptured to be taken away from this place. The devil didn't win the earth and now we got to burn it up in order to go somewhere else. The earth is still the Lord's and the fullness thereof. <laughs> and as you explore your, you know, the fact that Jesus is still a man, still, still a man forever, because he, you know, being a human is his favorite mode of existence. <laughs> He's not limited by you. You're not, you're not a worm. You, you as a person, as a man or a woman are so validated by the fact that God became a man forever because he loved being a, a man because his greatest qualities aren't uh, the fact that he you know zips all around the universe in some crazy cloud or on, you know some thing his greatest qualities are love joy peace patience things that you all can manifest in unlimited supply right now now you can also fly around in cro- on clouds and things as we explore all that stuff but the greatest things are, are so oftentimes overlooked in our attempt to become super spiritual. And so what I love about the cross is like, the, you know, and this is what I was exploring the last couple of weeks to talk about the party as we are celebrating God. We're going to be celebrating the fullness of heaven's party, but also the fullness of earth. What is it like to come to the feast? And there's just, you know, one of the main things that can get you whacked is just eating food, physical food, as well as eating spiritual food, you know, as well. So this mystery that, that I feel like most of the church goes one way or the other, you know, they, they get locked into just the natural. And so you have all these people that have a lot of words, but no experience in the spirit, or you have all these other people who are always just so super spiritual that they couldn't even like hold a job (laughs) because they're just like, 
you know, just always in this like weird, you know, feel like, you know, it makes you, it can make you mentally unstable to just feel like, what's the spirit saying? What's the spirit? Am I supposed to stand over here? Maybe I'm supposed to stand over here. Maybe I'm supposed to, and I've met a lot of, you know, a lot of us guys, like, I'm only saying it because I've seen it a lot of times, you know, and I've been tempted to like be that way myself. You know, you're like, like everyone's looking around and you just kind of like, and you, and you forget that God is super easy to hear. And if he wants to speak to you, he's going to make it really clear. And, uh, and, and when he's speaking it's you know, it's, it's not this crazy, like go off somewhere in this weird spirit, which pr- puts you into a form of mental illness, like creating false words because you were so under pressure to hear a- an audible voice every two seconds from God or you weren't spiritual enough. Instead, you're just like living your life and you, like, you love making food, so you make a lot of food. And sometimes when you're cooking, God says specific words to you, sometimes not. You always have a sense of his presence, but it's, there's no worry or concern to try to be so spiritual that you make yourself literally go crazy. There's a lot of people under that pressure right now in the church, and especially charismatic and, and, and Pentecostal or whatever. You're under this pressure. And I have reams, I like to tell people, I have reams of old journals that uh, just came, that, that are worthless to me because I felt so much pressure to get words from God that I entered into a form of like insanity and just made up all this stuff. It doesn't bear any fruit now. <laughs> Because I would fast all, all the time and spend so many hours that if God's not speaking you're, and you don't have this revelation of, about his voice and your union with him, you're just sitting there with all this time. You're like, well, God's got to be saying something. And stuff will come. You know, you'll make it up. You'll make it. <laughs> and I'm not trying to like, make anybody paranoid, but I think a lot of you feel the peace of that right now. You feel the peace of just becoming just a healthy God, man, or woman. <laughs> Living on the earth, knowing that you are created in, in union with him. Actually, his thoughts are taking over, have taken over your thoughts, and so they are your thoughts wow. now. In Isaiah, where it says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, that was in the fallen man, which is destroyed now. You don't have independent thoughts. Recognize him speaking through you and in union with you. Okay. Ha <laughs> ha. The last thing I wanted to say is I'm really then excited in our union with, with Christ as God, men, and women to live out these dreams that we do have with excellence, right? I'm really excited right now for a lot of you that are like just you're, you're, you're identifying what you love to do, who you, who you really are. You're seeing the truest like sense of yourself in the mirror and now like, I'm really excited to see us become like the world's best astronauts. You know what I mean? Or like the world's best, you know, police officers or, you know, firefighters or whatever in a supernatural but natural sense of the term. Like, we're growing up, dude. Like, we're, we're God is growing us as community to have no longer a striving sense of vision where you've got to, you know, you got to go help the world and got to go save the world. But you begin to live out dreams and callings in an excellent way. Like I just prophesied, there's some of you in here that you have dreams on your heart and being drunk in the glory isn't going to stop you, you know, from becoming the absolute best in that field. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I don't know who says, but you, you want your surgeon, if they're drunk in the glory, you want your surgeon to still really have a nice steady hand. <laughs> And you want them to really know what they're doing. Not just, well, I was too drunk that day. I didn't really know. And I was like, well, the surgeon's life went over there. I was like, but like, you know, and I lost my job and everything, but it was God. It was all God. It was all God. The person died, but it was God. Because I was drunk. <laughs> I mean, I've heard crazy stories. Not quite, I exaggerate that one a little bit, but I've heard stuff like that. They're like, yeah, you know, I just, I did horrible on my job and I like, I screwed everybody over and they lost a whole bunch of money and everything, but I was just following the Holy Ghost. <laughs> like, dude, I followed the Holy Ghost like that before too. And now I recognize it as my days of insanity. <laughs> you can be absolutely hammered drunk, but embrace, you're, you're going to discover in that, in that trance, discover who you really are. And you have beautiful 
earthly, like human things. Maybe you're going to brew beer. Maybe you're going to, maybe you're going to, you know, I mean, monks and mystics throughout the ages have brewed really good beer. And the world's thankful for that. <laughs> maybe you're just going to go plant tomatoes your whole life and be super like spiritual and right in the will of God, just like growing gardens, you know, just like making food or working at a gas station. But you, you love that line of work or you just love serving them that way. And you're just the most jacked up gas station employee and everybody gets blessed. And it's like a heaven on earth at that gas station, you know, whoa. Oh, so there's an excellence coming on your dreams right now. There is, there's an excellence. And like, as, as a community, I don't, I don't want to just propagate some, we, we're known as Fort Wack. You know, we, we've had a little bit of a reputation of just being the weirdest of the weird, you know, but, and that's cool. But I also just, I want to be known as like the, the loving of the lovingest, you know, the lovingest of the lovingest and the sweetest of the sweetest and the best listeners in the world because our, we know our father who's a good listener and we're really good at like our jobs and stuff, you know? <laughs> and we're really excellent. Like we have dreams and we've fulfilled dreams and we, I, I was just reading Chris's thing uh, on Facebook. I was like, go for it, man. Chris was like uh, talking about all the different like instruments he's learned in the last year and like he's played in like, you know, with choirs, like he's played music with, with choirs and like I couldn't even tell you the whole list of things like just in the last year with musically because Chris has a dream of music and like it's manifesting, you know, and some of you are like, man, we used to hang out with Chris and Rachel a little bit more than we do now, but they're still around a lot, but they're also like really seeing some really cool dreams manifest. And I just love that, you know, and a lot of you guys have those things, but I just read that one this week on Facebook and I was like, this is it, man. Like Chris is hammered drunk. I mean, let's talk to the dude. He's not, he's not out there just like striving to accomplish music to save the world. He just loves music. You can talk to him any day. He'll pray for you. He'll whack you up and, and has really cool revelations of Jesus. But he's also like really excellent at, at his skill and his passion and his dreams. So it's awesome, man. And, and Rachel is as well. Like come to the concerts that Rachel's putting on, you know. She's organizing local music and becoming one of the, the most well-known like promoters of local music. It's really cool, you know. It's not like... It's not like, ooh, she's not very spiritual, you know, because she's just doing local bands in Fort Wayne. It's like, man, like, we all have a place and a time and, like, specific things. And, like, and to excel at those in the Holy Spirit will, will be one of the most powerful things, just like people would gather from miles around to watch Brother Lawrence do the dishes. <laughs> because he was absolutely just intoxicated in the presence of God and completely satisfied to just be where he was at. And to do it well. I'm sure his dishes weren't like just dirty, you know, crap dishes. You know what I mean? <laughs> they would have taken him off that a long time ago. Anyways, uh, all of these things that I'm just sharing, and I didn't even go into some of it, but I just, there's just a, a wealth of riches stemming from the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right now, God and man, heaven and earth. You can be the most spiritual person in the world. You are, and you, but you're also the most natural. You can be way off in the spirit having visions and dreams and revelations, but also be very relatable with people in the moment, just like Jesus. Why do you think they were attracted to him? He was also one of the, you know, the best listeners. He was also just tender and compassionate. Like There's something attractive about just somebody being fully alive. You know, And I guess that's kind of one of the overarching things that what I'm saying is like, just a healthy being alive as, a, as God, men, and women in the spirit. It's so, ugh. like, talk about the long-term party. The earth just thinks of a party as one night where they do crazy things and they tell a lot of stories but hurt a lot of people. <laughs> but we have a, an endless, from glory to glory party that's increasing in ecstasy and delight for not just us, but everyone in the world, catching people up to a point where there, there is such an explosive party about to be manifest out of your life, being manifest out of our lives right now, that it is drawing the nations. 
It is drawing the nations and it's going to continue to. And a lot of you are going to become like the most attractive people wherever you go. There are going to be people drawn to you like flies to the honey. Whether you're charismatic, loud, and like what the world thinks of as like a big attractive leader, you're just going to be manifesting that that heaven on earth, that Jesus Christ life, like the, the true abundant life of God, absolutely whacked up and not really concerned about what anybody thinks, but blessing the whole world just by being who you are. Amen. Now let's just stand for a minute. I, I, I'm just going to close. Woo! Just lift your hands in the glory cloud right now. Whatever he's speaking to you tonight, just receive that. It doesn't, I don't really care about my ministry, but I love the, the corporate Jesus in this place. I love, we thank you, Lord, for that life and life more abundant. God, we thank you, Mother God, right now. We love you, Holy Ghost. We love you, Ellie. We love you, El Shaddai. We worship we, re- we receive your worship of us, that you couldn't live without us for a moment, that you didn't have a moment of withdrawal from our presence, that you loved us so much, Lord, that you displayed your union with us to the uttermost on that cross. We drink it. Yeah, we drink from that utter right now. Woo! We drink from the... The breasts of El Shaddai, that infinite provision of love, that infinite provision of peace, that infinite provision. In Jesus' name. So just enjoy one another. Thank you guys for coming. Um, If you're at all able to give, if you believe in this message, if you want to sow tonight, that, that would be that would bless our heart. We do this full time. We need partners. You can give by credit card or debit card on these, or you can make checks out to the Firehouse Projects. If you want to make checks out to Gia and Eli as well, just put that in the memo. Just put like G-Li in the memo or something, and, but just make it out to the Firehouse Projects and uh, just have a fun night. Just, just be generous. Give some money to someone. Buy someone food later. In Jesus' name, amen.